Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels video game music podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. And every week we get together, we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations, all timelines, even the alternate timeline. Where the Dreamcast did not exist, but a group of marauders decided they they weren't going to have the end of Sega as it was, so they came up with the Dream Purbly. (laughs) (laughs) And this is episode... 10-4 and we've actually had a few episodes um, on the books and but we just had the opportunity to have a very very special guest joining with us to talk about Santa Claus yes finally he's on the show (laughs) 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 what did you bring us Santa I brought you computer games yes oh yes um, so I don't think I can keep up this uh, this gag of having Santa on the show. That's fine. So to here to talk to us about and listen to computer games, we have Austin Green from the band Wazdi. I'm gonna say Wazdi from now on. How's that? That's fine. You can call it whatever you want. <laughs> thanks for having me on. This is great. Yeah. Thanks for coming back. So you were on the Steel Samurai episode. You play with Steel Samurai? Yeah, I play guitar in that band, and then I also do everything else in WASD. <laughs> like, don't sound too excited. <laughs> yeah, I play in that band. I play in, uh, like, a bunch of bands, and um, I don't have any free time. Everything that I do is just just work, 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 music, music, music. Hey, hey, don't call it work. Everything you do is creating art. You're right. I'm an artiste. That's right. We love it. Gotta respect that. <laughs> respect the trade. So, uh, PC game music, like specifically like DOS and MIDI and all that type of stuff. What what does that mean to you? Um, it's about like really the progression of technology more more so than normal video game music is because PCs have been around. You know, PCs was the first really kind of circuit boardy transistor thing we had, and as long as there's been PCs, there's been people making games. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of mixes in with the progression of audio in the same way. Yeah. No. So I'm, I'm going to say, like, um, the, the stuff we chose today. So we chose, we, t- we decided to stick with RPG music because I think that's a kind of a, an interesting, interesting style of music mm-hmm. for RPG games. And we tried to stick to the 90s, at least uh, mid to late 90s maybe early 2000s but I feel like these were the times where like I had my 386 or my 486 and I just had like my Sound Blaster installed or my AdLib Gold yep. installed and mm-hmm. I had that sweet sweet MIDI music coming out of there um, <laughs> and that was that was really important to me I'm sure it was important to a lot of other people too yeah for me PC game music or PC games in general back then were darn, downright mystical in the sense because I didn't get my first computer until 1998, which I bought with a Radio Shack credit card. And if you know about how Radio Shack credit cards work, you know how much of a ripoff that was. Um, you're but still, I was still paying it off, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Might be, Mom, it's a bill. But uh, yeah, at the time, though, it was worth its weight in gold. It had a 133 megahertz processor. Nice. It was smoking. Gold. Yeah, That's right. It was melting screens. And. <laughs> This was before the days of Nesticle, even. I had no, there was no emulation or nothing. And um, 
Before I got my own PC, though, I would go to friends' houses who had parents who just kind of were enthusiasts for PCs in general. So they had PCs, and I would just kind of mooch off of their games and their internet connections and then piss off their parents when I print out 500-page <laughs> FAQs on dot matrix printers. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget that. That was a blast. Because your friends always had the best games, right? It was never you. It was always a friend. Oh, that's that the had funny the, thing. Had the good stuff. That's the beautiful thing about it, my case. PC? Oh, no, I was awful. But when it came to console games, oh, you have the, you have oh, the I was the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was the guy. And I'll, I'll hold that together. It's like people like be at school. This guy can't play any sports. He's lame. But in the moments when I talk about PlayStation 1, it's like, you know who's got all the PlayStation games? And I start snapping. Face, like, you know who got them. Come over. <laughs> apologize. <laughs> Talking smack. But, uh, yeah, but I have a fond appreciation for PC RPGs, even if I have very little personal experience with them. And I think it's funny you chose this topic in that regard because it allows me to get nostalgic about them, even though I am very, I have very little experience with them due to my position at the mm. time. It's pretty cool in that sense. Yeah, for me, isn't that such an interesting part? How you mm-hmm. can be nostalgic for something you didn't play just because of like the era that it was from. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was gonna say like it's for, crazy for me the the, the nostalgia is almost in the, more in the sound. Of, mm-hmm. of of the of the sound cards and like in the sounds that are able to generate and even like the composition too like the way the way things were put together then for for whatever reason um, and I think going through however however many episodes we've done so far ninety four this is nine, number ninety four Pernell ninety four ninety four that was a good wow. year um, yeah thank you uh, so <laughs> um, that like like the the style of composition specifically for this medium is so specific it's so different from everything else and it's it's more it's more slowly has turned into more cinematic style um nowadays but like in the 90s and in the 80s the 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 composition style was very very different it was much more melody focused it was much more like let's create one or two minutes of some strong emotional content that you can just listen to over and over again um, so I'm really excited to uh, to get into this today. And I am legit curious as to how Henrik Anderson will actually feel about these tracks as we pick them, because <laughs> I have a sinking suspicion that he'll have a, a decent appreciation for what we selected today. Yeah, I, I think I think he will. He might be um, might be a little intrigued and might want to go out and search these games. Um, but before we start, I wanted to give a really special shout out to my friend Rick. Um, Rick, thank you very much for finding the show. It's been a long time since we've talked, and then all of a sudden you actually discovered our podcast. And how you doing? And I moved in close to your neighborhood, so we should probably like get lunch or something. Rhythm and Pixels, bringing friends back together. It's all about connections and friendship. Beautiful. And motherboards and processors. Yeah, today, but today it's all about like uh, the processing power. So Austin, why don't you introduce your first song? All right, so first up, we've got a track from Chance, Champions of Crin. It's a game from 1990. It came out for the Amiga, the Apple II, the Commodore 64, and MS-DOS. And we're going to listen to the title theme from the MS-DOS version. Thank you. 
Title theme from Champions of Crin for MS-DOS. This was composed by John Halbib, and this was the, the MS-DOS version that was played through the um, AdLib um, machine or the AdLib sound card for MS-DOS, mm-hmm. um, which contained a YM3812 um, FM synth, um, Ooh, which contained... Beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> which contained mostly <laughs> uh, um, uh, sine waves. So it could generate sine waves and then like three variations on the sine waves. So I had a very very specific sound as you could hear mm-hmm. um it's really specific with the uh with the percussion as well so um why did you choose uh this track it's an older track like the game came out in 1990 which was around like the kind of boom of crpgs as they kind of came around mm-hmm. but it just has such a good um as you said like the ad lib sound for it is so like synonymous with a computer like of that era it's got like the really weird pattery drum samples. It's got these cool like uh, instrument changes with like as much as they could. Anyways, getting like flute sounds and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And as you were saying earlier, compositionally, it has such a such a great like kind of majestic kind of sound. Like you're getting ready to go on this huge adventure for and for computer games at the time, that's what they were all about. Is like giant epic adventures. Yeah. Going out. Clearing dungeons, saving princesses, or what have you, and all that stuff. Yeah, especially with AD and D type stuff. It's all about like going after the um, like goblins or fighting mm-hmm. off of hordes of monsters. Round leveling castles, up. leveling up, man. Getting Opening gold. a shop. Well, I didn't hear you. Opening up a shop. Opening right? opening up a shop. Yeah, you know, settling down, getting away from the hustle and bustle of the of the dungeon life, right? That's, that's what AD and D's all about. That's man. What they are all about: settling down, having kids. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons Tycoon. <laughs> <laughs> How is that not a game yet? That'd be awesome. I would play that now. Actually, I, I was just joking, but now I want that. <laughs> there's some there's some more modern games that kind of kind of hit hit on that idea. Yeah, I need to start shopping around. Like, that's my that's my alley right there. Well, I was thinking like a sim type game where you play actually a, you play a dungeon master and you have to like run multiple games. That'd be kind of fun. Ooh, right? interesting. Yeah, yeah. that of, makes me mad actually because you you say that, but that was an idea that when the not the switch when the Wii U first came out. Yeah. That was in my head immediately, and they, no one ever capitalized on it. The idea that you can play the game as a DM using the pad to manipulate dungeons and stuff as you oh. send other players who use the TV on a mission through your dungeon or various dungeons and stuff. And it'd be like so customizable and just oh, I like that. swank. Now, there are online tools to run like full on like uh, RPG campaigns like p- pencil and paper RPG campaigns that can have like you can have your own maps and artwork and stuff that everyone can view and, and, and chat with yeah but that's like the view like just like okay you can see it and then you have like a usual sit down session but you're doing it over the internet I mean like in this case you're playing a game like a video game and people are exploring your dungeon that you created like they're actually moving through it and you can say okay I'm going to set up an orc encounter right here. 
You can set up the orc encounter. You can have them already stat show, all their stats chosen out of whatever they have. And you can set them there. And then, like, okay, you turn the corner. Oh my god, it's a how did that orc get there? It would just, it would just funny be... enough. I think uh, I think Neverwinter Nights lets you do something like that. Oh my god, which was a Bioware game from like two thousand ish. Oh, that's a very popular one too because like, you can yeah. do all sorts of stuff. Like things were happening in that one. See, I like so if that's the case. I need to look into that because. <laughs> That's something I've always wanted to be able to do with a game. And I, I mean, I personally have never come across it, but if that exists, I must try it. All right, I'm going to move on to... I'm going to move on to our next um, Dungeons & Dragons related game. This is from Planescape Torment, also for the PC. This one came out in 99. So this is nine years later, and I believe this is uh, CD music. So this was this is a full, more comp- composed and recorded than like red booked audio onto the CD. And this is the alternate of Morte's theme, which I believe the character is just a talking skull. And we can, I I learned a little bit about this game and now I'm actually super interested to to, to try it out. And this one's composed by Mark Morgan and Richard Band for the game Planescape Torment. Listening to Morte's theme, the alternate version from the game Planets. Uh, sorry, from the game Planescape Torment for the PC, composed by Mark Morgan and Richard Band. This is from 1999, and this is a big leap from just straight FM synth music, which is something you would typically um, relate more to, like Sega arcade games, especially with the YM chip or a YM chip, uh, a Yamaha FM chip. And then suddenly we're into this world of CD audio. And I feel like this has more in common with something from like the Falcom Sound team, you know, with, with an Ease game or something. It's got, it's got more of that kind of, it's still synthy sounding. It doesn't totally sound like all real instruments, but um, it's definitely much more um, quality production wise. I just got an extra, I mean, this was an episode topic that we had in mind for ages, but never came up with it simply because of the fact that we couldn't really fathom finding enough tracks to encompass it, but yet on this episode, we've only had two, and based on the two that I know I've picked, there's a lot of whimsy going on this episode. <laughs> An insane yeah. amount of whimsy. <laughs> I genuinely wonder if Henrik is a fan of whimsy tracks, or for that matter, what his experience is with these kinds of games, because it'd be nice to get his a bit of his input on the matter. But as far as this game goes, it is a game that I have heard 
a lot of people, including including Austin himself, suggesting that you know really need to give this game a shot. And I think it had a recent re-release because a friend of mine had brought it up in recent dialogue too. But it's one of the things I'd never got a chance to try back in the day. But I guess now might be that time, and with music like this on the belt, yeah, it's pretty. It's really, really good soundtrack. Um, so Austin, I, I've asked a lot of our uh, musical guests similar questions, but when you are looking for music to cover, like what what qualities of that music are you looking for? Like, um, is it something specific or a certain type of sound that draws you to playing that piece of music? Or, or uh, sometimes it depends on what kind of music I want to arrange. Mm-hmm. Just like a normal band would be like, oh, let's do like a really cool song with a slow intro and then build up into this huge thing. I kind of go into go into picking songs with that kind of idea. I have a huge back catalog of songs that I either like or just like want to cover someday. So yeah. if I'm feeling like doing something kind of wispy and, and fun, I have a selection to go pick through. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes tracks will just come out to me and, and they'll just have like such a really pronounced melody. That's really what you need is, is something memorable, something catchy that you can turn into, you know, uh, a rock song or like a, a synthwave cover or something like that, whatever you're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so something that's going to translate really well to like modern, maybe not pop music, but something, something that's modern and can move a crowd. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And those requirements vary from genre to genre of what specifically makes the crowd move for those things um, do you think we'll find something new today that you'll that you'll be interested in i might have already found i don't know oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> only two tracks in and one of them wasn't for now what did you bring to the table well i ended up going with my personal history of these games so I got a feeling that my choices will be pretty obvious, but no less enjoyable. And my first track is going to be from the game Ultima Online. Hmm. And the track is simply the town theme, composed by Kirk Winteroud, Joe Basquez, Hal Milton. Thank you. 
Welcome back. You just listened to the Jalome theme from Ultima Online. Did I say town theme before? You heard wrong. I said Jalome theme. <laughs> You're like, gotta keep you on your toes. Composed by Kirk Winterout, Joe Basquez, and Hal Milton. Now, I think a large part of why I said in town theme instead of the actual name for two reasons. One, because I like this track better than the town theme, which is why I chose it instead. And the other reason being is the fact that I played a bit of Ultima Online back when it was out on systems before I had a PC. I just mooched off of my friend's computer to play what was actually the very first MMO. This was, one of, this was, this was the first. The first oh, MMO. Wow. If I'm wrong, you can correct me, Henrik, but I know I'm right. Um, <laughs> flat out, this was the first MMO. And when I was playing it, and I learned about how the game worked and how it was how you, what you were designed to be able to do. My goal was to never fight a single monster in the game. I wanted to actually run shops in town. Yeah, you could do that too. I remember um, I was reading through like some of the YouTube comments, like on the music, and people were like, "Yeah, I miss like having um, like pub or like bar. They would have like I'm not like fights, but they would do like these competitions of like selling like goods and stuff in game." Yeah, it was like it's like it's kind of amazing in its own way because <laughs> you think of how prolific MMOs have become. And I can't really think of too many where they designed them where you could pretty much play them without ever getting into combat. And that was my that was my driving force to these kinds of games. Yeah, very cool. So Very different. It, it, when a lot of times you're playing a game just to blow stuff up or, you know, kill things. Yeah. It's nice to have that suddenly like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm a part of like an online community and I'm doing something different. Yeah, and just imagine if you could be the guy who ran the best shop in town. Yeah. So adventures were coming to you and telling <laughs> their friends, screw that guy down the street. You go to Purnell's Antiques. He's got all the zombie killing, mage slaying, dro- orc feeding material goods you could possibly want. <laughs> and quite frankly, I would have those things, so you should come to my boutique. All right, just- but, but real talk, um, what MMOs have we all played? Oh, God, the shame game. (laughs) Uh, We'll start with you, Austin. All right, so um, the number one MMO that I've played for a generous portion of my life is RuneScape. Mm. Because I played it when I was in, like, elementary school, and I still have a recurring membership to this day. Awesome. It's amazing. And this music, actually, I was going to say, reminds me very much of the music from RuneScape. Just something about the instrument choice and the style of it is really similar to that. So, But yeah, I played RuneScape. I played um, World of Warcraft for a while, both legit and on, like cracked pirate servers because i didn't <laughs> want to pay for a subscription you're here man. and and then um there was a space mmo that came out a couple years ago i forgot what it was called um similar in style to world of warcraft but if it was in space i don't remember what it was called shoot it wasn't like starcraft wasn't it no it wasn't that's not MMO. that's more of like a <laughs> versus type game i want to say world of starcraft i would play though oh, there was one i've read about one called eve online that's supposed to be like super complicated but mm-hmm. it takes place in space yeah, it wasn't like that. It was still like you played a single character that went around and did quests, but it was like a spacefaring thing. Oh, My friends cool. are gonna kill me because I played it with them, and I just can't remember <laughs> what it was called. If your friends, when you're if Austin's friends, please make sure to berate him for us. Let him know that he should have remembered yeah, the name call, of the game. You can go ahead and call in. We're at one eight hundred. Pernell is wrong. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's that's more letters than seven. All right, what, what about you, Pernell? Um, I've actually surprised you have a, a decent number of RPGs from the MMO variety under my belt. 
Um, well, maybe not a decent number, but we'll see. So I've played Ultima Online, as you know here. I played that for a little while, tried to buck the trend. Um, then I moved on to everybody's favorite, or maybe just ours, maybe. Fancy Star Online for the Dreamcast, yeah, which was the first on. console MMO of sorts. Um, put way too much time in that game, going through the same four dungeons over and friggin' over again. You and me both. But hey, I was able to play with whimsical weapons like a guitar and uh, maybe a piece of slice. I don't remember if that was in the game, but I know the guitar was. Um, <laughs> the guitar was, yeah. Then I played a surprising game. Um, it was called Dark Ages, and it is actually how I got close to a good friend of mine, um, where I it was another case of a game where I tried to buck the trend, in which case... In this particular game, you could not outright buy resurrection items. You had to make them yourself. And only certain classes of characters could make them. Well, I chose that class, and my entire point of the game was to make these potions for resurrection and then sell them on the black market because, oh, I forgot <laughs> to mention, selling those potions in the forum, in the game was illegal. Oh. Like, well, I thought the cops were coming to my house, but you could get banned from the right, server right, for right. doing it. Wow. So I was doing it on the Dale, though. Like, you want some, you want some, <laughs> we called them reds because they were red potion bottles. That's like, you want some funny. reds? I got reds if you want, if you're looking. So that was my entire stick with that game. Well, I'm a drug dealer. Yeah, man. I was pretty much a resurrection potion drug dealer. Like, you want to get you fixed? You want to die and come back to life? Oh, that's great. Only I can we'll provide you, you with fixed. that. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you a fix, all right. But um, I also played World of Warcraft. When it first came out, I played it for a solid year. And during that year, I learned what addiction was like. Not so much for myself. But for everyone else I played with, because I would boot the game up and I was putting in solid hours. We're talking on weekends. I can put a good eight hours into it on like a weekend because I'm like, hey, I want to play out of the do whatever. But what ended up happening was for all the free time I was putting into the game, yeah. all of my guildmates were putting in three times that. Yeah. So it so got they to were the, like way ahead of you. They <laughs> shot right past me. It got to the point where eventually we were playing like they were all like level 60 which at the time was the max and they were doing raids and dungeons and i'm like anybody want to come help me level up to buy a horse and nobody <laughs> was willing to come back and help me so i was out in the desert fighting fishmen because apparently fishmen live in the desert by myself to save a four horse and during that time i said this game is stupid i'll uh, never play this again gotta get that mount sun but i also forgot to mention <laughs> i may have said it on a previous episode but i have to mention it here because yeah, we're talking yeah. about mmos oh totally so I was playing Fancy Star Online back in the day, and um, there was a person that I met in the game who went by the name Dusty Bear 4. They were... Wait, do we want to hear the rest of the story? Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. So Dusty Bear 4 lived in Arizona, and uh, apparently we had a lot of things in common. We were both female avatars. We were both employees of KB Toys. And we both had a lot of the same similar social issues too, and yet we kind of clicked in this game. And over time, we would all we would pretty much get together on weekend weeknights and play this game together mm -hmm. and talk. And I was like, "This person's kind of nice. I think I might like this person beyond friendship." So I started thinking about how to discuss this with this person and interact with them, and eventually get the best chance to meet them. Blah blah blah. Long story short, without going down the road, it turned out that Dusty Bear Four was a guy. Well, I mistook for a girl because of verbal mannerisms and also their female avatar, which was funny because they probably assumed the exact same thing about me. I don't know. But anyway, it was kind of a shattering thing. I was like, crap. Well, were you like leading this guy on then? No. I, I didn't mean... start doing that till future games where I learned that being a female on a game could get you free items. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, not, not exploiting that, but I mean like leading another human 
person on. Oh no, 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 no! I genuinely thought this person was someone I could talk to. Like I was, I like them. Well, Dusty Bear Four, if you're out there, you can give us a call. <laughs> at one eight hundred Y Pernell Y. That's also more than seven numbers. But um, <laughs> yeah, but it was just an interesting experience that I had back then. I to this day think it's hysterical because it makes me kind of wonder, given how far we've come with online gaming, do people still make that mistake? Henrik, do you know? I don't know, man. That's a good question. I feel like I think I'm... it's a bit harder to do that now. Yeah. Since there's voice chat in every game, I mean. But then yeah. a person can talk like this all the time. I don't know. Like, well, like, <laughs> that girl seems sincere. I'll give her all of my armor. Could a high talker really pass? I don't know. Um, you just got to get a Hatsune Miku plug in and just, <laughs> just pretend to be a Japanese girl. <laughs> just type, type in all your words and just let the synthesizer take control. Exactly, exactly. Pernell, who's Pernell? I'm <laughs> Megarume Rin. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, that was a good talk. I love how you're like, trying to skirt the question. Like, you didn't, like, you didn't, like, you already answered what MMOs you played. Oh, right. <laughs> um,. Honestly, um, I've never played World of Warcraft or EverQuest. Um, that that stuff, yeah, never really. <laughs> I played, I played Fantasy Star Online a lot, a lot. That was a very, that was a period of my life. That was a period of my life. It was I just a dark played Fantasy Star. I played Fantasy Star before it came out in the states, and then I played it when it came out in the states, and then I played it when no one else, everyone else, stopped playing it. <laughs> I just played that to death, and I don't know why. Um, other than that, there was a, a PC game called Puzzle Pirates. Oh, crap! Puzzle Pirates! Oh, I forgot the Puzzle name! Pirates. Puzzle Pirates! Oh, oh. <laughs> you guys know what this game? I'm so... I used to play it! Seriously. Matt yeah. Barrows, if he's listening, he's probably still plays it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so when you were talking about, like, just being part of, like, the, uh, uh, the ecosystem and the, um, in that world, like, that's what I did, like... No one else wanted to be a sit like this to run the sales. Uh -huh. So I was so good at that puzzle, I would do uh -huh. that puzzle. And um, and then I had like a little shop and I sold like other little items for other people in the game. But that game was Some awesome shit. because like you run like ships and like you have like navigators and everyone had their own puzzle game to get things yeah, going. True. And even the battles were puzzles. Yeah, the battle was puzzle fighter. It was such a genius game. Mm -hmm. Again, in the, in the world of RPGs and games where everything's been done to death, why isn't there a game like Puzzle Pirates out there? The closest we've got was Puzzle Quest. I wonder what happened to that game. Do you, do you know, Austin? I think it was... I It was on, like, Yahoo Games for a long time, so I'm not sure if they owned it or what the case was, or if they shuttered it or what. Wow. I want to play yeah, that again. Puzzle Pirates is so good. <laughs> yeah, we're playing after this, right? Yeah. Uh, Actually, I, I gotta find out. Like, I really need to know this, because it was <laughs> so unique. Yeah, really. Um, I know it's not really an RPG, but like it kind of was. It was no, it's cool. it was because you got massively... equipment, you leveled up. Yeah, that's true. it was an RPG. Okay, okay. So I guess that's it. That's it for me then. So, I'm trying to, yeah. well, why, why, why you, why are we playing the song you choose next? We can look at to see if this game was a thing. <laughs> Actually, I think Austin, uh, you are next. Oh, for real? Oh, yeah, I am next. That's right. Oh, Puzzle um, Pirates. All right. So, straying a bit from the normal. Uh, style of CRPGs, which is all like hack and slash, Dungeon Dragons, like medieval time stuff. Uh, Wizardry Seven. Mm. The name's misleading. <laughs> this game is very sci-fi heavy and like space stuff. Oh, really? As the as the series went on, they went from being a normal like medieval 
high fantasy kind of thing to being like let's go to space why not <laughs> awesome all right this is the ending theme from wizardry 7 crusaders of the dark uh savant uh mm-hmm. for the pc this is composed by david w bradley i think This is the ending theme to Wizardry 7, Crusaders of the Dark Savant for the PC. And we believe this one is composed by David W. Bradley. Um, he's credited as, as a developer for this game, and there's, there's no other composer, so he could be like the developer and composer. But this is a really, really, it's mellow, but it's for an ending theme, it's very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I have to ask you, I know only a little bit about the Wizardry series, and I th- is this the series where, like, your save game from the previous game, like, carried over to the next one? Yep, that was a big part in the, like, whole series. I'm not sure if every game did it, mm. but I think towards the end, they started to all do that. I think they did. I remember hearing yeah. people say, like, you couldn't just pick up Wizardry 6 and play it, because you would be such a low level, you couldn't beat anything. So you actually had to play through game after game after game carrying the same save file over. Holy crap. Yeah, over like seven seven games. That's Which really is such an amazing like concept to like like I would love to go back and play them, but I don't know if I could handle yeah. it because older games tend to be like huge, huge time sinks or just really difficult. Right. But also it's it's got it must have hurt their sales, you know. It's like who's gonna want to suddenly jump into a new game when knowing that they have to play the first six? Yeah, that's why I was starting to wonder. Like yeah. I had never originally never played Wizardry prim- primarily because I didn't think I would be good enough to do it because I wasn't good at Western RPGs and the style that they were built into. So the first Wizardry game I actually personally got to play was on the PS two. It was like Wizardry Boosin. 
but it was called it, over here was called like wizardry tales of the forsaken land or something like that and it had a number of the wizardry tropes like yeah, the classes yeah. the neutral good lawful evil all that all the all that kind of stuff but i assume it was more simplified because it was as challenging as it was it was actually kind of accessible even though i was really bad at handling the different alignments in my party i was that's why i never got any good combo moves going but god that's a rough aspect of western games in general so you said this one went into to space oh yep it's got a it, it's i don't know a whole bunch about it i've just seen like clips and stuff here and there but it definitely has more of a space theme i i know that you're trying to um in the game before there's this thing called like the cosmic forge and like it uh reveals some planet that then you have to go in the next game to that planet to get stuff so the stories are like really crazy and in all these old kind of games like wizardry and ultima they have such huge deep lore that one guy just spent a ton of time writing (laughs) that's awesome yeah, that, that's so interesting. Like, I know a, a lot of games are still still like that, but I feel like the the level of detail and the quality of it is really also unique to this time period. Uh, so, Wizardry Seven. This is all. This was the nineties, also, right? Yeah, this was ninety two, twenty five years ago. Wow. Yeah, it does have that kind of FM synthy sound sound to this to this music, which it works really really well. Yeah, especially with these like kind of like. Uh standing bell kind of sounds yeah, yeah like i can imagine someone standing in like a bell tower just kind of like banging out this nice little <laughs> melody yeah it's got these long sustained notes it sounds really really clear and really good mm-hmm. and for an ending theme it's almost kind of sad do you know if it ends in a sad way um i don't really know hmm. i think it has multiple endings yeah that sounds like it would <laughs> yeah all right well um my next track is from a revived to be a very, very popular game. This is Fallout. This is the first Fallout game. I believe this was in 1997. And this is called Metallic Monks, or The Lost Hills, composed by Mark Morgan. And that is Potato Chips, composed by Pernell Vaughn.
Alright, this was Metallic Monks, um, Lost Hills, from the game Fallout for the PC, composed by Matt Morgan. And yeah, this this is a really big atmospheric track. And and most of the music from this game is just is is a lot like this. There's very little in the terms of melody, and the prominent um, the most important instrument appears to be a siren, <laughs> like <laughs> like the uh, the air raid siren. But I, I'd imagine like this really draws you into this world where most people, I guess now, see Fallout as being a first person game. But this game was isometric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But listen to this. This has more in common with Silent Hill, I think, especially with that air raid siren, um, is, than it does with um, kind of computer RPGs. Which is funny because like I never got a chance to play the first Fallout, but I did play the second one, and I feel like my experience with that game—it's not survival horror, but it's heavily survival to me. Yes. And I feel like your statement actually makes it fit pretty well in that regard. There's a lot of uncertainty when you're out in the wilds looking around for things because if I remember correctly that game this game you could like kind of like map walk to different locations like you select it on the map and you'd walk there like you know footprints on the map and then you go but sometimes you'll have like events during the transition that will stop you in your tracks and you have to like deal with what's coming along you don't know what to expect and sometimes it's pretty freaking scary yeah the game is scorpions. like scorpions <laughs> red scorpions god don't even remind me of that crap <laughs> but everything like, gave you like, like you just you walk out you walk out of your vault right and you're just you're just in your your suit and that's all there is like that's just it you have nothing you have nothing it's like find something thankfully like the first town if i remember correctly is close by enough that you really can't miss it but once you get there then it truly is good luck (laughs) figure it out because like I remember playing the second game and I reached the point in the game where I just hit a blade and you'll my next pick you'll hear the same kind of stereo so just be you'll learn just how I am with these kinds of games but I would hit this roadblock where everywhere I went would just involve me would get me inflicted with so much rad poisoning that I didn't know how to cope but to get rad, you know, rad away, which was oh, the cure. Oh, ra- radiation. Yeah, radiation. Not rat poisoning. No, not rat poisoning. <laughs> that probably was in the game too, honestly. Let's be blunt. Um, but I would always succumb to rum to rat poisoning, and I could never afford rat away. I know I couldn't bring. I didn't bring enough money for it ever, or bottle caps as it was. So, essentially, between pools of radiation and rat scorpions, I couldn't get past like the like the second component of the game. Mm. Though I still think a pretty awesome component of the game was the Brotherhood of Steel, I guess they were called. Yes. There was a point where you're like, that, that transition into the waste, like I told you about before, where it'll stop you, and these huge hawking guys are like standing over like a, like a husband, wife, and their kid. And the game's like, what do you want to do? This looks pretty bad. And the solution, what you should say, is nothing. Let it go down because they basically kill the entire family and walk away. But there's absolutely nothing you could do because they would just manhandle you if you even tried. So if you just step in, you just die every time. You would die. You cannot beat them. This game is brutal, man. It's a very brutal game. It has some cool humor to it, too. But, oh, my God. it's Dark, dark humor, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Sure. Oh, jeez. Wow. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's see if we can pick up the... Pick up our uh, spirits here with your, your 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 final track. Well, I think my track should be able to do that because I went another Purnell different. Um, for this track, I went with the game Baldur's Gate. And the track that I chose is just known as Exploring the Plains. And it's composed by Michael Honig.
you have just listened to Exploring the Plains from the game Baldur's Gate, composed by Michael Honig. You would have wondered why didn't Pernell pick a track that had a little bit more energy to it or action themes, like a battle track or something. And the reasoning is, simply put, this is the track that I remember most fondly from the game. Hmm. It You hear it quite a bit because, well, you're spending a lot of time exploring plane-based areas. And if you're not good at the game like I was, you'll spend a lot of time in the early plane areas. <laughs> Just trying to figure out where to go. Oh, yeah. Like, I... Well, there's two components that killed me with this title. One was, again, the issues with um, with alignment. I never was good at just selecting people that fit a new like a alignment team base. Because if you had people with differing alignments, either they wouldn't join or they would cause problems for you later in the game. I had like, what was it, Branwin, M-O-N, Minsk, and Zan. Those were my party members in addition to my main guy. And they kind of worked well together, but even still I had a lot of freaking issues. And the other problem, just like the Rataway issue, was in this game, after you beat the first chapter, you're in like in a mine area fighting skeletons and the like. You come oh, back the out. Mines. Yeah. Ugh. I got through the entire mine section. I was so proud of myself. But then what happens is when you come back out and you're back in the plains, the game gets harder because you enter a new chapter of the game. And they start introducing basilisks to the game. Basilisks could petrify your party members. Ooh. Which instantly kills them because these are D&D rules. These aren't RPGs mm-hmm. like drop a soft on them and you're good. Oh, no. You will petrify and die permanently. No resurrection. So there's only one item in the game that can heal petrification before it goes through. But I could never afford the darn thing. So I would play the game until I got to Basilisk, try to outrun them, never pull it off. One of my favorite characters would get petrified. I quit. <laughs> I quit every time. So I just just turn it off. I'd stop. I keep trying to reload it, constantly fail, and eventually start the whole game over. <laughs> it was frustrating. Rage out. I raged the heck out of it. Um, Austin, do you have experience with this one? Yeah, I've played quite a bit of Baldur's Gate. Um, like Purnell was saying, though, late '90s, like computer role-playing games, have a really, really huge like difficulty curve at the very beginning. Like, you start out the game being super weak. You have maybe four hit points. And basically, two hits from anybody, you're dead. But then, once you get through that part of the game, you start to actually be able to hold yourself, hold your ground in a fight. And then towards the end of the games, you usually get pretty powerful, and it's an easy game at that point. But Mm. you really have to grind to those beginning parts. Mm. So, I've played a lot of the first half of Baldur's Gate. (laughs) I haven't played very much of the end section, just because it's like... There, there is definitely that. Uh, there's a lot of time you have to put into it, and also yeah. that beginning. Just man, you have to uh, getting through that is the hardest part. <laughs> it hurts. It makes you. You're like, do I really want to play Baldur's Gate right now, or do I want to just do something easier? Maybe play some Angry Birds. I don't know. <laughs> do I want to enjoy Angry Birds? <laughs> do I want to enjoy myself? That's a possibility. I'm saying that's that's why those games are great because like. Like yeah, sure, it's fun to like get like to feel accomplished completing like something hardcore like this. Definitely. But sometimes you just want to really enjoy yourself. And but it's especially funny because as you all know, I love challenging myself. I like gays that beat oh. you over the head with a shovel. I and do I too. still can't do that. <laughs> I just can't. Oh man. Never good. Oh jeez. But I still have genuinely fond memories of the games from my many attempts at, at trying to get through chapter two. And failing miserably. How many how many chapters are there then? Couldn't ask, couldn't answer that <laughs> because I sucked too much at the game. 
All right, well, I'm going to pull this track down, if you're cool with that. I guess so. And we are going to get into the part of the show we like to call the bonus round. Bonus round. Bonus round. Go Rob. The... Uh, the bonus round is the part of the show where we play covers and remixes based on our theme. Um, theme today is PC RPG music. So, Austin, what did you bring to the table? Well, as we mentioned at the top of the show, I play in a band called WASD. And from our debut album, Shift, that came out last year, there is a track. It's a medley of two Baldur's Gate songs. Nice. Not sadly, not the entering the planes one that <laughs> Purnell picked. Although that would be cool to do. This one is actually a medley of the title screen music and another one called the Gibberling Horde, which is some of the music that plays when you're fighting um, the like the gor- goblins and skeletons in the uh, mines. Ah, the Gorilla Horde is what I heard. No. It's Gibberling. Okay, <laughs> it's, it doesn't make any sense either way. So the Gorilla Gibberlings. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a listen to this. Um, It's called Heroes and Hamsters? Uh Uh-huh. Awesome.
That was Heroes and Hamsters by WASD Austin. That was excellent. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, so is that one of your, your, your first, uh, your first uh, tracks you put together with the group, or is this um, a newer one? Um, well, WASD is a solo thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think I first had this track in, like, 2013. 15 or so i entered it into dwelling of duels a long time ago for a free month that they did um when i really didn't know what i was going to do with wasd like as a as a project so yeah wasd is has pretty much only been just a a one-man thing i've had some guest musicians come into play A a lot of the uh tracks on the first album have guest musicians playing acoustic guitar or electric guitar doing like crazy shreddy guitar solos that i can't always play <laughs> so That's and nice. then i've done a few live shows and had people come like play bass and play drums with me and oh, do okay. stuff like that. I was yeah. about to say, that's a pretty awesome concept in a sense because you have a lot of music friends like music instrument playing friends so it's almost like a meeting of the minds like hey i want to do this show you want to come play drums tonight Sure, why not? It sounds like a great time, you know. Exactly. So I think that's an awesome concept. All right, so my next track, I I am still torn between what I'm going to play, but I think I'm going to keep it... Seven. The answer is not seven for now. It's never been seven. 42. <laughs> Wizardry seven. 42, you're close. Yeah, Wizardry seven. No, this yeah. is um, The Bard's Tale. I'm going to play the uh, track from The Bard's Tale. So not a cover, not a remix, but definitely something we wouldn't normally play. And this is the beer song. This is so a podcast, the, ba- the bard is in the bar, <laughs> and everyone's singing about beer. And this one is composed by Tommy Tallarico. Um, there are other names credited for the soundtrack. We have Tommy Tallarico, Clint uh, Bahakarian, and Jared Emerson Johnson, Peter McConnell, and Michael Z. Land. But I believe this one's Tommy Tallarico. I know you can hear his voice singing, at least back up. So I think you're going to enjoy this. This is Beer, Beer, Beer from The Bard's Tale. Beer, 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 tiddly beer, beer, beer. A long time ago, way back in history, when all there was to drink was nothing but drops of tea. Along came a man by the name of Charlie Watts, and he invented a wonderful drink and he made it out of hops. Drunken rat that aching drum and throw his pub as well. One thing you can be sure of, it's Charlie's beer they sell. So all you lads and lasses at eleven o'clock you stop for five short seconds. Remember Charlie Moss. One, two, three, four, five. Hey, he must have been a damn old assaulted king. Run to his praises, we shall always sing. Look what he's done for us, he's filled us up with cheer. Well, bless Charlie Moss, the man who invented beer, 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 tiddly beer, beer, beer. A little moat, a bushel of hopes, you steal around with your stink. The kind of lubrication to make your engines tink. Fifty pints of Walpody will keep away the quacks. It's only eight pence, eight penny, and only six in tax. One, 
Beer song, beer, beer, wow. beer. Uh, the Barge Tale by Tommy Tallarico, Clint Bahakarian, Jared Emerson Johnson, Peter McConnell, and Michael Z. Lord. Um, so yeah, very different. I wanted to just throw something in that was more lyrical, a little bit more, um, <laughs> a little bit more drink songy. I don't know. If we, th- we should do like a drinking song episode, right? That could be <laughs> bar shanties. I'm not sure how many actually exist, but like, <laughs> bar shanties. Yeah, or like this is what you would hear on a jukebox, like at a bar. Like in the eighties or something. That could be fun. That song kind of sounds like uh, they just got everybody who worked on the game yeah. together in like an actual bar, and they <laughs> were just like, "All right, guys, here's the words to the song. Just sing with us." Yeah, maybe every one of those names actually was singing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And I feel kind of stupid as I make this inquiry because somebody's going to definitely point it out later. But so, what I'm just saying is that beer was just created by monks. Like, I don't think there's a name attributed to. Who created beer? No, beer's been around for a not long, longer. Yeah, ages, like a ridiculously long time. Yeah, like way fermented. Yeah, back to like I think like Egypt. As long as wheat uh, could expire, there's been there's beer. Been beer. Yes. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting. They were like, they actually had it attributed to a person's name in this song. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, because it's it's a video game. Oh yeah, but just for that split second, I was like, who the heck is Charlie? Did he invent beer exactly? Where do they come up with this character? So like, is it because because it, it's mops and it rhymes with hops and you want to drink more of that? So Charlie mops. <laughs> I like. This I know guy. if I wrote a drinking song, I would say that I invented beer. Yes, that would be so good, <laughs> and it would be very fitting because clearly you've been drinking and your tall tales are spinning. So I, was like, I, I, I invented <laughs> beer. You'd have like four singers, and every singer would talk about how they invented beer. All right. Oh, that's, right. Great. that's a good idea for a song. <laughs> yes. I'm They're full- all trying to one up each other. Yes. That'd be really good. That'd be that'd be a yeah. good drinking song. So it would get like more and more like elaborate. Yeah. Oh, I like the sound of that. We have to just dabble in it for fun. <laughs> so Pranel, what's your what's your bonus round track? Well, I went in another direction because I wanted to be that guy. So yeah. I decided not to go with an RPG track. And I wanted to get a specific track on the show because we have Austin on the show. So I went with the Kang and Medi theme, like <laughs> version that WASD did. Awesome. And for those who don't know what Kang and Medi is, like all the young people on the <laughs> show, back in early Windows packages, there were a number of sound files that came packaged with Windows. I could be wrong here, so Kang yeah, you're right. me if I'm right. You're right, you're right. But amongst those tracks, there was one track that everyone liked. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever met a person who did not like Kang and Midi. So Austin here thought it'd be a great idea to do a rock version of Kang and Mitty. He was right. <laughs> Time to find out why. All right, let's put it on.
so good. To my Love eye. it. Brings a tear to my eye. Like that, it's so perfect. That is Canyon dot mid dot MP three. It is so freaking awesome. Oh, and so as good. a eighties baby and nineties kid listening yeah. to whatever I can get my hands on in the, in the computer lab, Canyon was my jam. And this is a worthy, worthy tribute slash successor to. I'm, I made it for you, Pernell. <laughs> just for you. I know you're joking, but I believe you're serious. I'm just going to ride that wave. So thank you very much for that, too. You're welcome. Hopefully, you liked it, too, Henrik. As a connoisseur of the arts. Right. And as a man My who boy. knows classic jams. <laughs> the, um, so all, all the tracks on this album, um, which is called. What's it called? Just MIDI music? Um, the. Album with Canyon is called C colon slash Windows slash mid, uh, Media. Catchy. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you hear that new C colon slash? <laughs> but I see we have a Passport dot MIDI, Town dot MIDI, One Stop dot MIDI, and Future Retro dot AVI. <laughs> yeah, that last one is um is a Anna Music cover. If you're familiar with them, like the old like it's like early two thousands three D CG. Like, they had like pogo stick things that kind of like went around on tracks and played <laughs> stuff. They had one that was like a, uh, it was called Pipe Dream, and it like a bunch of pipes shot balls at some kind of instrument and played music that way. Oh wow! So that's a cover of one of their tracks. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. Like this. Well, for more information on the artists and on WASD on the uh, bonus round part of the show, go to rhythmandpixels.com, and we'll have links to their band camps. SoundClouds, um, Apple Music links, everywhere where you can go, buy the music, and support the artists. I'm a medieval man. All right. Um, so thanks for listening to episode 10-4 of Rhythm and Pixels, our focus on PC RPG games, RPG music. Preferably in the 90s. In the 90s, specifically right around the 90s. I think um, we did almost exclusively 90s. I think so. No, no. The, my, the Bard's Tale track was 2005. Rob! Uh, yeah. Well, the original Bard's Tale came out in like 94. When? So it works. It counts. It's, it's close. It's, it, it's kind of there. It's in there. I got in there. It counts. It um, counts. But we got to give a really special thank you to Austin. Austin Green from the band WASD, Steel Samurai. I'm sure a whole bunch of others. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> thank you guys so much for having me. It was a blast. I do have to ask, though. I'm going to be that guy. I've been sitting on this the entire episode. And I'm an old man, as I say this too clearly. How many times have people get the stupid joke of Brian Austin Green? And how many of them have you punched you know, I actually haven't heard many of that jokes um, a lot. Most of them came from, like, my mom's friends. Like, people around my age don't always say that stuff. So it has, there's a certain, there's a certain so age old. range. Sorry, Pernell. I, I, I knew it going in. I knew it going in. But I had to ask them the list. I wouldn't have felt right if I didn't. Um, well, uh, if you'd like to get in contact with the show, why don't you send us an email? Rhythm in Pixels. That Hotmail. And for more information about the show and for a full track listing, go to the website, rhythmandpixels.com. And if you'd like to get in contact with us on social media, you can get us at 
um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those places. It's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. And if you're interested in um, the WASD music tracks that we played, um, you can go find them on their band camps and everywhere else. Austin, can you uh, maybe clue our listeners in on where they can find this stuff? Yeah, definitely. Um, all the music's available on Bandcamp at wasdband.bandcamp.com. We're also on Facebook, uh, Facebook's slash wasdband, and we have a Twitter account at wasdvgm. Awesome. Um, and um, if you're interested in supporting the show, Rhythm and Pixels, go to patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels. Um, we have a bunch of weird, silly goals that we've been doing for Henrik all night. <laughs> yes, he got six. He got wow. six. Um, but yeah, that's what we do. Um, and if you are a uh, any level um, subscriber to our Patreon, you get access to uh, monthly live streams of us recording the show, so you can see us recording live. Um, Give them all your money! <laughs> and you can even jibber-jabber banter back and forth with us while we do the live. And believe me, I didn't expect it to be all that baller. Rob was like, this is a great idea. I'm like, I don't get the joy of this, but when we did it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. But so, um, I want to thank our, our subscribers. I'm going to start with uh, Brian Pitt. Brian Pitt, who is more um, machine than man. We want to f- uh, thank uh, Michael Bridgewater from uh, Forever Sound Version. He is more bridge than water. <laughs> right. Uh, we want to thank Chris Murray, who is a world-class lifeguard and saved Henrik Anderson. Who is, um, we'd like to thank him also from, uh, <laughs> from, from drowning. <laughs> drowning in a sea of media. Oh, we want to give a really huge thank you to a new subscriber, Matthew McDowell. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't have anything silly to say about you. We also want to finally um, thank Alex the Messenger for being a longtime supporter of the show and supporter of podcasts in general. We, we really appreciate it. That man's on fire, I tell you. <laughs> he, he's on fire. Then we also have. Um, uh, that's what Matthew McConnell, Matthew McDowell will do. Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> what? Longtime supporter of the show, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I uh, don't know what just happened. Just a little stream of consciousness, on hey. the, streaming all over the podcast. Um, that's that's all I've got. We have some great topics picked out for the next few weeks. We actually do. And He's we're not making that. And up. we are closing in on our hundredth episode. We have some fun stuff planned for that, and we have some. Um, some live appearances showing up soon too. So go to rhythmandpixels.com for more information about our live appearances. And I will also say, if you are a fan of video games, if you're not, what the heck are you doing listening to this show? Then check, don't answer that. (laughs) (laughs) You should check out the SML podcast because as of the release of this episode or probably the day after it, I will be doing a review for them. And it'll probably be my first pre-release review for the game Danganronpa V3. Killing Harmony, which, well, I'm not going to say. Just listen to the review and find out. Check it out on the SML Podcast. All right. The SML Podcast. You can find that at slash. I don't even know. I just know that they're tw- I just know they have an SML Podcast Facebook page, and there's also the SML Podcast on Twitter. Gotcha. All right, well, you've been listening to the Rhythm and Pixels Video Game Music Podcast. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. And also, again, thank you, Austin. Thank you to everyone who's listening. (laughs) Have a great week, safe week. Enjoy yourselves. And remember, apparently summer is reaching out for its last hurrah with our our, 90-degree heat in the middle of September days we've been having. But falls right around the corner. You know what that means. Hot apple cider donuts. 
Yes. Mm. Hot apple cider cider. Mm. Hot apple cider pancakes. Mm. Hot apple cider muffins and hot apple cider roast turkey and gravy. Mm. Look it all up. <laughs> Enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Take in the season. And I guess a little pumpkin spice if you're in that kind of thing, too. Hot apple. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun and enjoy. <laughs> Hot apple. I'm a medieval man.